1: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like.
2: Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Ow! Oh!
1: Porter, who was eyewit oh, without a shadow of an out, giving him lip. Oh, I say, it's amazing. He it does it tame and tame and tame
2: again. Break up the music, charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all
0: night. Updating the managerial merry-go-round: what must be included when a new manager says all the right things? Just what message was Harry Maguire trying to send with his smiley, ear-cupping, knee-sliding, ear-blocking goal celebration? An unprecedented, game-changing new development in the field of getting in on the act? Teams doing their own guard of honour and revealing that game that just keeps appearing in the background of BBC dramas? Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of the Football Cliches Podcast. I'm Adam Hurry, and with me, first of all, is Charlie Eccleshare. How are you doing, Charlie? Good. How are you? Very well, thanks. Huge, huge fortnight or so for pictures of managers being unveiled at their new clubs. I'm anxious to know straight away if you, if you could choose, if you're, you know, you've just taken a new job in the Premier League, where are you having your photo taken? In what context do you want the first glimpse
2: of you at your new club to be? I think on the pitch. Oh, okay. Yeah. holding 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 anything i'm i'm, I'm envisioning holding a scarf I which may scarf be a bit passe shirt. but i'm yeah yeah shirt's a bit weird because i mean not that i would necessarily be wearing a scarf but i won't be wearing the shirt so no yeah, go no god go. no
0: no alongside you is david walker now Dave, i'm more of a kind of leaning against something at the training ground with my arms crossed kind
1: of guy i don't know about you no that's you can't have that I, I,
0: I own the place is basically what, what that picture says I'm, no. I'm
1: settling in I would I, I, like Charlie I would go for a scarf aloft Okay, both arms over their head because I saw that the Steven Gerrard who, who we'll come on to later I'm sure the, the shot of him holding up the shirt when he was announced as the Villa manager just looked it didn't look right to me it, probably because he still looks like he could have signed mm. for them to play Mm, that's true. He doesn't look yeah. manager enough yet, but I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, he didn't plummet the true debts, which is a manager having his name on the back of a shirt, but no number, because what number would they have? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just a blank space underneath. Terrible. The, the lack of forethought that goes into this sometimes. is really depressing. But, um, Dave, as the hours and days tick down until the FSA Awards and the Podcast of the Year vote. I take it you received a relevant message this week?
1: Yeah, kind of. I don't know if it was intended as such, but I did receive a message from Max Rushton over the weekend, mm. who obviously we've um, said before... I, I don't know if he is the bookie's favourite, but he should be the bookie's favourite for the Guardian Football Weekly to win the uh, win the prestigious award that we're in up against him. Yeah, curiously timed message from him over the weekend, just saying how much he was enjoying the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the mind games have begun. <laughs>
2: Doing the podcast. Mind. Don't don't fuck it up now, guys.
1: Oh, God, that's awful.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Very very snidey little um, attempt to take us off our game. But you know, let's see how these things go. It's the adjudication panel, and um, it's time for us now that Dean Smith has been safely installed at Norwich. It's time for us to reflect, Charlie, on the managerial merry-go-round. and where it kind of sits these days because I feel like it's a concept that hasn't really been updated. Uh, I still think Mm. of your David O'Leary's and your George Graham's and I feel like we need to take a kind of stock take who really is on the managerial merry-go-round now. Um, Any initial names come to mind? Well, the weird thing about the managerial
2: merry-go-round, I do, I feel like it was, because more recently than that, obviously you, you think of your Pardews Pulis's, Mm -hmm. Hughes's, Hodgson's to an extent. And they really were. I mean, that was, I remember a graphic I saw of those four, possibly Mm. one other as well, who kind of had all managed at more or less the same teams. There was a huge overlap. Exactly. But but I feel like now there's so much competition for these coaching jobs that, you know, Chris Wilder taking over at, at Middlesbrough, having done the job he did at Sheffield United, it feels extremely difficult to... To kind of get on that managerial merry-go-round, teams look like they want to be seen to be a lot more ambitious. So Dean Smith is a good one, obviously, but even him, you know, taking over at Norwich, that, that's quite a big step down because he'll almost certainly be managing the Championship. You would have thought hmm. uh, next season. But yeah, I mean, names now. I mean, Nuno, he's probably on that managerial merry-go-round. I think I feel like so. if you're a you know a lower mid-table team now, that's um, but he, he, he's certainly going to be mentioned. Frank Lampard is on it. Yeah, well, Frank Lampard is almost certainly
0: on it. Frank Lampard is pat. Perhaps- Potentially the next Mark Hughes in in this respect, but. Dave, is is the managerial merry-go-round a particularly complex subject? Is it just managers who are out of work or
1: potentially out of work? Or is, is there something more we need to consider here? I, I don't think it's it's not just the managers who are purely just out of work. Mm. I think you have to to be a current member of the managerial merry-go-round, if that's mm-hmm. the right word. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, one of one of one of the horses on the merry-go-round. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> you have to have. No, had you're a, riding the horses, you're not one of the horses. Well, yeah, that's what I was always thinking about. Is is Chris Wilder on a horse or is Chris Chris Wilder the horse? It would be an empty merry-go-round if there was no one sat on the horse. This is very important. But um, I think you've had to have had the job recently and... I think he had now sort of two jobs in relatively quick succession, and to be a viable, viable um, suggestion for for a, for a job that comes up. so so new yeah, you could conceivably be see him being linked with any Premier League vacancy that comes up. Yeah. yes Lam, Lam, Lampard, Lampard's on the merry-go-round, but I mean he sort of got off the merry-go-round three mm. times in a row now. Before, he doesn't want to be you
0: know. seen to be on it. quite yeah, clearly.
1: yeah, yeah more exactly. than any other manager. Dean Smith, yeah, absolutely. Chris Wilder, Farker? yes. W- w- mm, may- I
2: don't know, because I think he's, remains he, he's very Norwich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He was so synonymous with that. I don't think he'd be on the Premier League merry-go-round. He might be on a kind of upwardly mobile championship team who think, you know, we want to have a, a project like that. But I don't think he'd be sort of fast-tracked into a team desperate to avoid relegation. So
1: yeah. is Warnock Warnock. is Warnock's obviously been on the managerial merry-go-round for a very long time. But I'm not sure whether I think this might be it for him. Yeah, and I, I mean and, I, and the same as with the others that you mentioned, Charlie. I think I think your pardues your Allardyce's, your Hodgins', their time has come and gone.
2: They're gone, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think um the likes of Allardyce and Warnock have kind of transcended the managerial merry go round now because Dave, I feel like there does need to be kind of latent potential for loads and loads of jobs down the line. Whereas I feel like they've they've entered that kind of phase where it's just they're they're just they're too philosophical about it all. There needs to be kind of element of innocence about it maybe.
1: Yeah. They've had too many goes. They need to get off and let someone else have a go, basically. Is, is it is situation. like an
2: actual playground. I'm sure, Adam, you've been there where your child, you are kind of waiting for a go and there's that kind of unspoken thing of like, come on. Like you've, you've been on this quite fun thing for for a while. Can, <laughs> come on, <laughs> hurry
0: yeah. up. Yeah, and, and the tantrums that then ensue. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, we've we've had the sack race, Charlie, which isn't as fun as it sounds. We've had the managerial merry go round which also isn't quite as glamorous as it sounds. Another potentially less exciting thing than it, than the name suggests, is this, um, this what, traditional paranoia that came with the Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa development, which is the idea that your club might be a stepping stone. Mm. <laughs> um, ne- I mean, again, much like other concepts that we've discussed recently, this, this thing never actually exists. It's just the threat of it. Mm. The idea of it that makes people so angry, because it's obviously a branch of the what is a big club kind of debate, isn't it? The idea that a manager might be sort of using you as a stepping stone, or indeed a player, of course.
2: Yeah, have there been examples? I'm trying to think where a club has felt that the manager always felt it was beneath them, and and that's why they didn't. There must be. I mean, would like... (sighs) I don't know with A V B at Spurs something yeah. like that where he'd come from Chelsea and you know his stock had fallen a little bit. I mean Mourinho, you could say was there an element of that at Tottenham? I don't think that ever really manifested itself. But um, yeah, stepping stone is that is a that is a big thing, and they have to make very clear that that's. That is not something they're thinking about.
0: But at the same time, Dave, it would be quite naive of us to think that managers don't think that far ahead, two moves ahead. I realise that the job is all-encompassing and all that sort of stuff and it takes a lot out of you. But clearly, you know, managers have a trajectory in mind, just like a player would. So, uh, But more to the point, does it really matter if your club is a stepping stone? That doesn't mean your
1: club is shit or small,
0: it just means you're not at the top level. That's OK, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's exactly the same for players. If Watford sign Ishmael Asar, we all know that the idea is to sell him in three or four years' time for two or three times the price that we bought him for, or whatever. Uh, that, that's and that's fine because you get that time if, if it all goes well. If Gerard uses Aston Villa as a stepping stone to Liverpool, that will have to mean inevitably that he's done some semblance of a good job at, at Villa. So it, you've got to you just got to you got to take it. A, a small insight perhaps into the way that some of these managers think, right? About four years ago, I found myself having a chat with Sam Allardyce, okay. right? We were sitting together on a sofa no. <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a World Cup launch event for talk sports coverage uh, for like commercial partners and stuff, While two, while a group of like Russian like is it Cossack dancers were, were mm-hmm. like in, in front yeah. of us doing the Russian dancing. One of those weird moments where like whoever sat, whoever more important Sam was talking to had left and I'd somehow, we'd somehow been left with just me and him. And like, he had to say <laughs> something to me. And at that time I would just got a job at TalkSport, which meant I was going to be dealing with him and other sort of ex pros and stuff in, in terms of the live football. And, and he asked me what I did and I said, Oh, I've just got this job literally like it was a week before just got this job. It was like a big deal for me at the time. And, his first thing he said to me, he said, "Well, what's the next job?"
0: Oh, mm. wow, elite mentality,
1: and I was a bit taken aback. I was like, "Well, I've just got this one. This is the, I'm focusing on this." But he was, you know, so that's kind of because everyone at the time
2: insight. was saying, "Are oh, you just using talk sport as a stepping <laughs> stone to the athletic?" Well, and I here mean, it, I am, yeah. You know, it, there was a it's lot of speculation,
0: bike. yeah. I, my heart skipped a beat on your behalf when you just relayed that story the idea that he was that engaged in your career path but as you yeah. say that's that's the mentality isn't
2: it mm. I also love that, that when you start that story with just to give you an insight it, it, you were talking as if you were yourself a top level manager <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about it from, from the perspective. What you need to understand for people like us, who've ma- and that's why it's so great having Dave on, because he's been there. He's been there at the top mm. level <laughs> and done no, it. No, he's, he's merely been
0: in and around elite managers. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but yes, as I said, Charlie, this has been a fascinating couple of weeks for this whole concept of managers and, and where they go. We've had Antonio Conte, Eddie Howe, Stephen Gerrard, and, and now Dean Smith, who will be imminently unveiled at Norwich I look forward to that there may never have been a better more condensed case study of Premier League managerial unveilings Charlie we've had mm. so much to enjoy in terms of earnest mission statements over the last sort of 10 days or so
2: yeah and I mean Eddie Howe and this is I have to say I haven't actually um sort of delved into it but someone said to me in the athletics office a couple of weeks ago like what's Eddie Howe been up to I was like I don't know but I imagine he's been very earnestly meeting with thought leaders from NFL and sports scientists, nutritionists. Oh yeah, he's a and, devotee
0: and, of NBA guy, John Gooden, is that right?
2: I mean, that sounds entirely right. So yeah, I do like that now and fair play to him. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not mocking at all because I'm sure that does improve him a lot as a manager. But yeah, you'd think he would have been using this time out of the game extremely wisely. Um, before pitching up at Newcastle,
1: and hasn't it turned out that basically he's just digitised all of his training notes?
2: Yeah, is that right? <laughs> you know, I, was, I was instinctively ready to take
0: the piss out of that, and I'm not because you know I realised that was obviously very important to him, and training sessions clearly are a very important tool. But I don't know how to approach this. But Dave, the idea that he felt compelled to reveal that in his in his unveiling his press conference, no, he didn't say it in a particularly proud way. It's not like he's saying oh, I'm really forward thinking. He was almost embarrassed to admit it, and, it, and I it almost like he almost stopped halfway through. Um, but it was just like a little insight into his methods. And he said, oh, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him, I've digitised my training sessions.
2: Can I just say, that sounds a lot like when my dad was on gardening leave and so bored that he sort of put his DVD collection into sections and printed out labels and <laughs> things like that. I mean, digitising your training sessions is, is kind of the equivalent of that. Yeah,
1: yeah just organising your MP3s, uploading mm. the vinyls.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dave, this is all, all of this is part of um, a really curious managerial preoccupation, which is the idea that inevitably, invariably, a new manager will have been very impressive and said all the right things. They're unveiling. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. It is the easiest gig in the world. It's like a. It's like it's like it's next, just next to a best man speech as the easiest gig in the world.
2: I certainly think it's it's as receptive an audience. You're you're with as kind an audience. I think you see more best man speeches messed up. Yeah, I, think, so, it's, I think it's
1: much easier than a best man speech. No pressure on you to make any gags, really. There isn't, it's although any gags,
0: easy
2: crowd as well. Yeah, saying. exactly. I think I think receptiveness of crowd and receptiveness to jokes. Like mm. you're gonna get in the same way that managers at press conferences. The bar is very. You don't need to say much. It does need to be very yeah. funny to get a laugh. <laughs> you will get a laugh. You know, like oh, some familiar faces here. <laughs> Titters probably, even though that's not a joke. In the same way that as a best man, you can this say br- that.
1: Actually, down. I, I mean, think you uh, the, like the ratio from gag quality to laugh volume is much, much. More forgiving at a press conference than a best man's speech. Like, the, <laughs> really, the, the, would love to dig the, into the, this. The, mer- the merest, the merest, yeah. light-hearted line of. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean any self-deprecation. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, if I'm Eddie Howe going to be like, oh, it's been a while. Well, that I mean, would on, get that would get a nice laugh.
1: On that note,
0: I mean, of all the managerial unveilings in the last couple of weeks, I, I fear for Dean Smith actually, Charlie, because he was grim he, reading.
2: If you're Dean Smith,
0: well, he he um, technically has been out of a, he was out of a job for about mm. six or seven days. He's not going to be able to do that. My wife is you know sick of the sight of me, joke. No, unless his marriage really is on the rocks.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other issue. No, but he could do a self-deprecating riff on the fact that he couldn't stay away. You know, mm. I'd miss you lot too much.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's getting like a good it. laugh. Yeah. You know,
2: and that's very easy.
0: So, so Dave, I'm really fascinated by what all the right things actually consist of. Now, what are the boxes to tick in this? Um, in this kind of first public-facing role for a manager. Uh, I want to I give you this first little contribution because Eddie Howe was really at pains to point out his dedication to the job.
2: I don't think you can manage a football club if you're not committed to the club. Um, because um, for me, you have to be all in or all out. And I'm all in. I'm fully um, into Newcastle United and making sure this is a success.
1: He's all in, Dave. He's all in. Yeah, all in or all out. Like you say, there are so many... Boxes to tick, but I think a a, a statement of it's so obvious that of course you're committed Mm. to the club. Mm. Well, well that said, I suppose there probably has been plenty of managers who aren't who are not bothered and are not committed. So it does it does it is worth saying.
0: Yeah, no, and I'm not trying to trip anyone up here. I mean, a lot of these things are very very obvious, but they feel like they they need to emphasise them. But I fear, Charlie, that all in is going to become the new buzz phrase for new managers because Steven Gerrard. Let's hear him.
1: And everything I will give on a daily basis uh, will be for Aston Villa. And um, one thing I can guarantee the supporters and the players and all the staff here is that when I commit to something, I'm all in.
0: (laughs) Steven Gerrard is also all in, Charlie. I feel like this is an important thing to point out by the looks of it.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. It's slightly surprising given that I I don't think of all the question marks people would have had on either appointment, I don't think anyone would, would question their commitment although maybe this isn't maybe in Gerard's case it is in response to the stepping stone mm. uh, allegations but yeah I think with, with um, he did speak well, I think there are a couple of things that are good here. one is a kind of acknowledgement of your or the club's limitations so look this hasn't we this club this football club hasn't been good enough What's gone on here has not been good enough for years. I think that's quite a God he did speak well because he kind of acknowledged the issues he might say about himself and you know and um, it's going to be a big learning for me as well. So then again, it's kind of the self-deprecating non-negotiables is also quite big for speaking well that, you know, there there have been issues with culture at this football club for a long time and then sort of setting out that they won't be under me.
1: I think that Almost regardless of actual size, you you almost have to say, well, of course, this is a big club.
2: Mm. And for too long, it's been drifting.
1: I mean, but it's also probably the emphasis is slightly different depending on if it's actually not a big club. People go, actually, this is a big club. You know, <laughs> 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 this is a match. <laughs> you don't need to say it like that for Newcastle or Villa because we know it's a big club. That would be a great. That would be a great unveiling when a manager declares
0: a club to be big for the first time and can back it up, for like. Their fans going, I'd never thought of this. Yeah, Yeah, we are. Come on, let's do this. Look look at the catchment area. (laughs) Pound for pound, this is a huge club. Everything here is geared towards Premier League football.
1: I heard Michael Bailey uh, refer to the fact that Norwich had the hopes of a whole county on their shoulders. And I didn't sort of, that's kind of another like thing. An international
0: like, manager's job.
1: This is a one-club county.
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing counties into it yeah. rather than metropolitan areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it does remain to be seen. Maybe by the time this podcast goes out, we'll know if Dean Smith is all in. Big or pressure. Or not. I mean, but on final point on the all in, much as we've deliberated it already, Charlie, I mean, the benchmark for the effort you need to put into a manager's job is now so high because every story I hear of a manager either doing well at a club or having left was that they were there, you know, 14 hours a mm. day. That That's now what's expected of every manager from people who don't maybe understand the job at all. That's the minimum they expect.
2: Totally, that they and every manager we read about is extremely demanding, both on their players but also on themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's unsustainable,
1: though, isn't it? Because like, if the managers are looking at all these stories and stuff, and you're seeing like Eddie Howe gets in, he gets in at six a.m. Mm. He's in, he's in so early. He's opening up the training ground himself. Who's yeah, where does it end?
0: Yeah, some of these managers are going these fucking long reads. Stop it! Like, I don't <laughs> want to do all this work, but now I have to
1: because people keep reading three thousand words about. I don't need to yeah. get in till nine. That's fine. No one's here till eleven.
2: <laughs> I was half tempted with the uh, on that theme because when Conte was appointed, there was so much of him, you know, training as death and life as football and all of this. I really wanted to put out a quote, a made-up quote, and see if anyone would. would sort of notice the difference because
0: i'm out uh, the door by 4 p.m every day
2: (laughs) (laughs) just just do the minimum and uh hope hope it works
0: um of course no managerial unveiling um and uh, this really pertains to their kind of first in-house club interview dave um that that question about what what kind of style of football can the fans expect from you that sort of thing and you get into kind of philosophy territory and um, I quite enjoyed this. This was from Eddie Howe's interview with Newcastle United, his first interview with them. He did this kind of fairly textbook thing that managers do, which was declare his philosophy, but in a, in a kind of way that says, you know, this is in my DNA. Guilty. I, I don't know anything <laughs> mm. else.
2: And I want to see really fast, dynamic uh, movements, a team playing as a team, not as individuals, um, playing on the front foot, trying to win the game. Um, I think when people said I first went into management, it was a very brave approach. But for me, it's the only way that I know.
0: It's the only way he knows. Absolutely the only way he knows. I mean, that could come back and haunt him if he doesn't have a plan B.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that is a great sort of humble brag, isn't it? Of kind of suggesting that, you know, if people are going to paint me as this attacking, really expansive, thoughtful coach, that's up to them. On but that, the that's, front foot. Yeah, on the front foot's good.
0: I hear front foot a lot. A bit, but I mean, this this undoubtedly is his philosophy. Obviously, he wants his teams to be attractive and play good football, and 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 dictate games rather than have games dictated to them, Dave. But we're we're on a one way street here. No manager is going to say any different. They want their teams to be attacking and adventurous, don't they?
1: Well, yeah, most people do. But I do think you know you will get the odd manager who'll say, look. I'm here to win games, you know, and it's about winning here. There's there's no there's no right or wrong way to play football.
2: Or they might point out that this defence needs to be sorted out first and foremost. That we're leaking too many goals, and to survive in the Premier League,
1: yeah.
0: Maybe you
2: have to defend better than what we've been doing. We know that. Yeah, maybe focusing on defensive stuff
0: is a more kind of short-term firefighty thing to to talk about, Charlie. It's almost mm. like you're allowed to talk about that you're unveiling. If you're in a job for like a four year or you you know you're inheriting a oh, project, yeah. you can't be talking about defensive football in any way, even if it's a short term thing.
2: No, that defensive thing is more if you're Sam Allardyce last season coming in at West Brom. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's totally acceptable. Although obviously Eddie Howell is kind of doing that. Equivalent, but yeah, it would be very strange, <laughs> very off-brand but, but, yeah. if, he, if he started talking in that way.
1: Even even people like Allardyce or whoever, Sean Dash, whatever, and anyone who's direct, they'll they'll never they sort of couch it in the way that look, no, we are we are attacking. We get the ball into the box early. Mm. I'm all about mm. you know, and again, we're on the front foot. We're aggressive. We're in yeah, their face.
0: Like, front foot can cover any type of football. Mm. That's the, that's the real cop out, not cop out, but that's the real kind of cover all. Front mm. foot can mean absolutely anything. It just means attacking. Basically. Because you can press hard. Yeah. You get stuck in. It doesn't mean you're playing possession football. Yeah, Yeah, front foot
2: is more of an attitude. It's more saying, I'm going to get these guys winning 50-50s. It's
1: Monday morning. I'm on the front foot today. Come Um, on. After
0: all of this, after all kind of... Planting their flag in the ground, there is an element of diplomacy that has to go on here, inevitably, because it's you know it's a it's a dog eat dog world out there. Dave, listener Ian Woodcock says a new manager is obliged to say that the squad needs to get fitter, as a thinly veiled dig at his predecessor. But he also has to say that he's not going to criticise anything the previous manager did. You, I mean, you can't really sort of lay into your uh, into your predecessor, can you? So uh, you have to be very careful about the things that you're pointing out that need to be done better. Yeah, yeah, fitness. Although I do, fitness is an easy one. Like, it is these, an easy this one. squad needs to be fitter.
1: I, I I do feel that that's a little. Bit of a mediary sort of one seems to be very, you know, forgive me, Charlie, if if, I, if I'm damning you here, but like, it does seem to me that like that's quite a standard sort of ingredient in the what went wrong in the previous manager and, and simultaneous in-trade piece for, for the new manager is, well, f- first things first, these players are not fit.
0: Charlie, what you can do with this, I guess, is maybe take the focus off the last manager and say, I'm going to turn this team into the fittest team in the Premier League. And again, Everyone yeah, wants to do of, that.
2: Yeah, again, that's, that's just one of my non-negotiables. Mm. You know, they, they, this team is, that is going to have to run harder than it has been.
1: But I, but I feel like they don't often talk about it. I never heard Pochettino famously sort of ran his players into the ground with the double sessions and stuff, but he never came across as that sort of hard taskmaster in when he was speaking. You never heard him talk about it, really, did you?
2: I, at least I don't remember yeah, I know him what doing you mean. So. It, it, it maybe is something we focus on more than than the managers themselves or at least in the way that they, they don't speak like you say so explicitly I guess because managers tend to speak more about things like mentality and, and attitude and less tangible things
0: mm, speaking of which uh, this is another key tenet of the uh, saying all the right things both Victor and David Weatherson pointed this one out Dave he says it's a clean slate for everyone
1: the clean mm. slate is a
0: huge deal <clears throat> Like yeah. you can't come in yeah. with any preconceptions of your squad can you Dave
1: absolutely we all start from scratch here everyone's got an opportunity to impress I'll be judging you from what I'm seeing from the first training session onwards yeah. all that stuff I haven't had a chance yeah.
0: to speak with Troublesome Player X yet yeah <laughs> <but. laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. A real chance for 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 Todd Cantwell to come in from the
0: cold yeah. mm, at
2: Norwich. Absolutely.
0: Another one, Charlie. They're all, they're asked about the phone call or the original offer and how long it took for them to decide. And it's just like, oh, oh, you know, as soon as I got the call, as soon as I got the call, Gerard did this. It's as soon as I got the call, you know, I knew this was an opportunity I couldn't turn down. I mean, there must be a time frame after which you can't admit that you took that much time yeah, to deliberate about
2: deliberate it. over this. But that's what was good about Conte was that he had turned it down literally <laughs> yeah. months ago, and everyone knew this. Uh, then And then in Nuno, you had this great situation where they just effectively turned him down and we all knew he was so far down the list. So you've got all these kind of unspoken awkwardnesses that, you know, these taboos that have to be avoided. Um, But but then, yeah, but Conte, it was good because then he was like, so I just, you know, it was so right this time. You know, it wasn't the time wasn't quite right in the summer, but just it just felt so right.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dave, it does feel like managers do need to kind of casually declare that they will roll up for the job straight away. But some managers just don't toe this line. Uh, Inevitably, this comes from Scottish football from this is from Andrew M. He says Mark McGee's Aberdeen unveiling back in 2012. This is what he had to say. He said, Aberdeen fans know that in Scottish football, on a scale of one to three, you have Rangers and Celtic and then Aberdeen comes in third. I think that any player or manager has the right to want to play or manage at the best club possible. I've looked at that opportunity. I didn't get that job. And then I moved on to come to Aberdeen. (laughs) (laughs) The Celtic thing should not in any way undermine things. Quite the opposite, actually. Maybe Aberdeen fans should be thinking they have a manager that was considered by Celtic. (laughs) What an incredible ending. Massively overthinking
1: that. Love the honesty. We need we, we need more of that south of the border. Yeah, it wasn't my first choice, but here I am. Like oh, Mourinho could turn up and go, well, look, like the ne- whatever job he gets, if he turns up at Newcastle, he's going to try and spin it, won't he, as some sort of tremendous opportunity. It's the only place I can go. I've, <laughs> I've, I've pissed everyone else off. It's
0: kind of true, but
1: yeah, <laughs> I would love
0: to see them attempt that anyway, at least.
2: I remember the Moises unveiling, when he first, when he joined the first time, that was one of the very, very few occasions of he didn't actually speak that well. I remember it being quite underwhelming oh, okay. because I think because I think he's quite a realist and told it like it was when as, when, as we've kind of established here, what you really want there is the kind of it's a fresh start. Yeah, it doesn't need happen. to be tub
0: thumping. It just needs to be, you know, this guy's putting all the right things in place. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. I think that was more like, look, we are where we are. <laughs> it's not going to be easy.
1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés.
0: Well, let's see how it works out for all of those managers. But let's turn our attention, please, to the international break massively fascinated by this. This was Harry Maguire's celebration against Albania, which, which was so loaded, Dave. I mean, let's break it down, the, uh, the already much-discussed celebration. So he wheeled away after heading in against Albania. We got the the smiley ear cup. Then it was followed by an aborted fingers-in-ears gesture. Then he committed to a knee slide, which, you know, understandable, lush mm-hmm. Wembley turf, uh, which he ended with his fingers in his ears and a defiant look. So so much going on there. He didn't he wasn't really sure, but this seems to be a message, but a very jumbled one.
1: Yeah. The ear cup the cupping of the ear is like come on, can't hear you now. Mm. Where are you now? Just scored. Yeah. But then does he undermine himself by putting his fingers in his ears? I just I don't get
2: it. I don't What's get it. the Yeah, cuz fingers in the ears to me was like i I'm not listening. Yeah. To all, I I guess that's like a Yeah, that that's a I'm not listening to all the criticism. You can't you can't get to me. But then, if he's doing the coming years, that's like a. I can hear. You are listening. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Well, yeah. maybe there is a kind of a natural flow to it. It's like, all right, I'm ready to hear what you've got. Nope, don't like it. So maybe that. <laughs> if he'd done it the other way around, then yes, it would have been absolutely. Oh, actually, no, I do want to hear what you'd say. Maybe some of it's constructive. But to, but to stick a knee slide in, into the middle of it all, Charlie. <laughs> it's just yeah, actually, yeah, it's yeah, almost they're... like oh, I, I, I. It's got to the point now with modern pitches, and I just think it's now just an instinct to knee slide. I don't think mm. any thought goes into a knee slide now. It just feels like I'm going to drop because it's just learned behaviour now.
2: It does look really fun.
0: Oh yeah, no and doubt.
2: You know, on that on that kind of lush surface as you say, but yeah, there's a lot going on there that he's conveyed um, mm. in 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 seconds. So it, it
0: got immediately analysed Dave, mm. and we're continuing to do it. Um, Roy Keane stuck his oar in, said it was a disgrace and that sort of stuff. So he took the Man United angle. Um, Gareth Southgate um, <laughs> tried to kind of laugh it off. And in the process of doing so, it sounded very much like Gerard Houllier after the Robbie Fowler Everton celebration, which I won't describe.
2: I don't know. Is he a Hulk Hogan fan? I'm not, I don't know. May, I don't know why, what the celebration was for, but um, he's been, um, he's a fabulous player. Uh, two months ago he was in the
1: European uh,
0: Championship. One of the very few occasions, Charlie, where I'm, I'm happy to let wrestling infiltrate the Football Clichés podcast. Um, uh, Southgate really trying to style that one out.
2: Great reference I mean he's very much welcome here, given that his reference point seem to be kind of early nineties with Hulk Hogan. I mean Hulk Hogan probably even earlier, but yeah i don't, I don't imagine many people hearing him say that sort of knew what he was talking about mm. and he quite quickly then goes serious doesn't he got it actually spot
1: on as well the Hulk Hogan hand sort of wavy thing oh, Southgate, really? Southgate revealing himself to be very much a genuine wrestling fan of the late 80s early 90s there but Taking yeah ludicrous a ludicrous assertion <laughs> 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 yeah there's managers just aren't prepared for these
0: questions and that's fair <laughs> enough but England of course well on the road to Qatar actually yeah I'm stopping myself here Is the road to Qatar qualification or is it after qualifying and you know you're going there?
1: The road to Qatar is the qualifying.
2: Yeah, it's the the qualification campaign.
1: So
0: should you stop using it after you've qualified? Yeah, well, I think after then
2: then it's kind of like all eyes on Qatar or something like that. Thoughts thoughts turn to the inevitable plane. Yeah, we've got all that chat to come
0: and plenty more over the next 12 months before the World Cup starts. Um, Traditionally, the news cycle kicks off, Charlie, with talk of England's training camp. Now, in any other tournament, in any other country, this would be a big deal. You know, you've, you've really got to choose the travel times and that sort of stuff. But in Qatar, they're going to be close to Doha. But nonetheless, England are searching for a secluded base away from the hustle and the bustle of Doha. For God's sake! Decide how difficult can it be?
2: Training apps are amazing because they—they're such a great for when you want to rewrite history to suit whatever narrative you want. They're just perfect, aren't yeah. you know? I, I, it's kind of Capello's law, I call it, <laughs> with, and and that's the same with the managerial failed long read. Obviously, Rustenburg became this sort of prison camp that before the tournament was exactly what we needed after the circus of Baden-Baden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, obviously then results didn't go so well. So it was like, the you know, the players were too confined. We needed, you know, they needed to breathe. So it'll be interesting to see when, if results do go Southgate's way or not, how the uh, choice of training camp is is uh, revisited.
0: Dave, God, I hope there's something at that training camp to entertain the players because if there's not something there to entertain the players, we are going to be deep shit.
2: Well, I've had a look.
1: So there was a piece in the, um, in the Daily Telegraph, I think, with, with mm. some sort of exclusive details about this potential venue. So they want to stay out west, apparently away from Doha, on the western side of the peninsula. Mm. I think quite close to the border with Saudi Arabia, uh, which is fine, I suppose. Um, But they want to stay at the newly built Hilton Salwar Beach Resort.
0: Oh, newly built Mm. doesn't sound good. That's going to be piles of rubble.
2: Yeah, there will be issues with construction not being ready not even
0: finished
2: yeah 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 just, just months days. away
0: yeah. <laughs> you went months I went days that's fine yeah i'm good. thinking that yeah.
2: i'm thinking that's like a march international break story <laughs> england international base still not finished just yeah. months before just 67 start of tournament just
0: 7 days before the world yeah. cup kicks off
2: although of course it won't be march it will be what will mm. be the equivalent september yeah. or something yeah yeah i forgive you for being
0: in that state of mind that's no
2: problem
1: if i had a look on google maps and zoomed in to the to the resort it, it does look pretty Pretty spectacular, actually. It looks the sort of place that... I've never been to the Middle East, Dubai or anywhere like that, but it looks, it looks like... Picture Harry Maguire sitting by a pool in Dubai. You'll get it's exactly what this place... Looks like right. they will be, you know, they'll have the bloody unicorn inflatable thing in an amazing pool middle of the desert, so it'll mm. be great. But I was also reading, are they legal piece. in Qatar? Inflatable unicorns? If they're not, then they'll be given special dispensation for, them yeah. for the month of the tournament. I yeah. should imagine you can
0: do it. In ex- you can do it in accepted areas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, if you're coming to if you're coming to Qatar you're worried that you're not going to be able to use your inflatable unicorn.
1: Don't worry. Do it in hotels. Yeah, but just don't 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 ride it down the middle of the street. We'll ask Keasy. But the final itself, this piece also reminds us will be held outside of Doha, in the newly built city of oh, New Salem. No. Something of a ghost town currently, which is planned to one day have a population of 25,000 people. They've built a bloody city to host the World Cup final in. <laughs> just I mean, just yeah.
0: taking the piss, doing whatever they want. Do you know what, though, Charlie? All I want from my England camp, the only thing I need to see for my England training camp is them going on a leisurely bike ride like maybe either before the first game or between the first and second game, just to show how relaxed they are. That's all I Would, need.
2: Do you think they'd be all smiles as they did it? Almost certainly all smiles. Yeah, you'd, ex- you'd expect all smiles. In high spirits, as they shared a joke.
1: That image, right, that you have painted for us there, for me, the backdrop is like Forests. Mm. It's like a, it's like a nice, not too hilly, but just a nice bike ride through the, through the forest of
2: through the of, Alpine, R-Rapina
1: or or yeah, in the Alps or whatever, somewhere in Austria or something, in the pre-tournament camp.
2: But is Qatar a good place to go for a bike ride? Can they build a forest, a new, a newly built forest? I <laughs> <Just laughs> wouldn't put it past them, I suppose. But like Freshly palm trees,
1: forest. I'm thinking more of a stroll along. Stroll along the beach. You could imagine some disastrous trip that goes wrong with like Jesse Lingard on the back of a camel. Uh, but on
0: the, <laughs> on the on the idea of um, just how demonstrably relaxed players have to look before big games, this is, Charlie, maybe this is more of a kind of pre-European midweek tie thing. But when clubs kind of release images of players relaxing, going out for a leisurely walk, that is the most relaxed a player can look. It's, it's like, it's almost, almost, propaganda-esque levels of <laughs> relaxation. It's like, these guys are so relaxed. They've they, just gone they, for a
2: stroll. They really are all smiles. Yeah. I mean, they, there is nothing but smiles on these players. Yeah, absolutely. Hands in pockets. It's, it's Actually,
0: it's the same gate
2: when they go for a
0: stroll before a midweek game as as, manage, as players walking around the pitch at Wembley before an FA Cup final. Mm. It's
2: like, hands mm. in pockets, looking around, yeah. just looking relaxed. Taking it all in. Such absolute... a weird
1: thing, the pre-match stroll. Mm. It's like when... You know like United players used to I don't know if they still do this but they'd like stay at the stay at the Lowry hotel and like walk over Salford Quays to Old Trafford and it's like it's such so school trippy isn't it mm. like mm. teacher at the front come on few stragglers at the back it really is it really is yeah or Weird. like a, yeah
0: snag do being led by a guide the next morning
1: to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés.
0: I want to talk about the real talking point of the international break. Um, this is unprecedented, quite frankly. Um, this is from France 8, Kazakhstan 0 and the uh, the World Feed commentator. Well, I think he's got a lot to answer for.
1: Theo here will reach it and catch it back for Benzema to make it four for France. Karen Bentemar gets in on the act as well. The celebrations have long since started. And Adrian Rabiot is in on the act as well. Seven minutes to go. And Griezmann makes it. Seven for France. Gets in on the act.
0: Wow. The hat trick. Yeah, this is from Hank. Listener Hank, who has who has dubbed this the getting in on the act trick, Charlie. <laughs> um, Very good. <laughs> what do we think? Three examples, three incidences of getting in on the act in the
1: same game. But then what about the other goals? Because he did the fourth, fifth and seventh
2: there? Well, fourth, maybe. sixth and seventh. This is. But it's possible right. whoever, whoever scored the missing goal was already in on the act. Already in on the act. Yeah, Because you can't, point. if it's your second or third, you're not getting in on the act, are you?
0: Well, I mean, let's, let's break this down and analyse it because, Dave, the first getting in on the act was Karim Benzema making it 4-0 with his first of the game. Now, I'm starting to soften to the idea that strikers can get in on the act because it almost feels like, you know, oh, we've been waiting for you to uh, to get, get on the score sheet. So maybe that's OK. So Benzema tapping in for 4-0... Is it's is yep. more or less a cast iron getting in on the act now. Yeah, Rabiot so. heading home for 6-0,
1: that was getting
0: in on the act because he's a midfielder who hadn't scored yet. So that seems OK too. Yeah, but I just,
1: yeah. How many how many times can you get in on the act? Exactly. Is there a I limit?
0: Feel, I feel like it should be a maximum of one. But then Charlie, Antoine Griezmann, burying his penalty for 7-0, a penalty, then being described as getting in on the act as well. He hadn't scored previously either. So I don't know. Maybe this is a yeah. sensational piece of work.
2: It's hard because one I mean there are alternatives that are available aren't there you know you could say something like puts his spin on the game or something <laughs> no, like that no, you know, kind adds, of that. or add, keep going add, adds his name to the score sheet maybe Matches there are. his mark yeah makes his mark yeah leaves yeah. his mark on proceedings uh, said France some proceedings <laughs> or yeah Okay. But then none none are as good. So maybe, you know, as we've talked about before with elegant variation, making unnecessary changes, maybe if if in on the act is the thing, just just stick with
1: it. I'm kind of of all right with it, actually. Yeah, me too. I feel
0: like less of a getting in on the act fundamentalist now, Dave, because all three of those were perfectly valid. So the only remaining question is, can you have three in one game? And the answer seems to be yes. It's fine. Natural. Natural. I'm rethinking everything I thought about getting in on the act. Kudos to Phil Blacker, the World Feed commentator. An absolute pioneer. Hmm. And uh, well done to you. Um, More egregious offences in the world of football, though, Dave. Newly crowned League of Ireland champions, Shamrock Rovers. um, Wrapped up the title with, uh, I think, three games to go. Uh, Waterford gave them a guard of honour, as is customary, in the first game after... The title was sealed. Bohemians, however, did not, which led to the spectacle of Shamrock Rovers giving themselves a guard of honour as they came out on the pitch.
1: Right, what's well, so like the subs and the yeah coaching the staff? staff and the subs. Yeah, that's, that's not on, is it? That's a bit poor, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Is there a rivalry? Is that is, is that why, or is it just you I really haven't have dug one? that deep? Yeah, in, is in there the... a precedent for that in in, in England or in like Rangers won the title really early, didn't they? last Mm. season like months early Mm. and I don't know if every team gave them a guard of honour you know what's the earliest you've had in the Premier League like some teams have won it in April you get one you don't get the whole season do you?
0: Well there's two key concepts to discuss here Charlie first of all I mean primarily is it okay for a team to give themselves a guard of honour the answer has to be no no that seems weird yeah it's absolutely bizarre they they tweeted the video out Dave of them giving themselves a guard of honour and lots of replies sort of taking the piss out of them and then some counter-arguments, which was basically, you know, how many guards of honour does a team need? You've had one in the in the match that after you wrapped up the title. Should you have a guard of honour every single time you play subsequently?
1: No. No, no I, don't, I, don't, I, really I don't think know. you should. No, I don't think sure. you should. Why not?
0: Because it's the same. Because why shouldn't the next team offer the same level of respect as the previous team? The previous team can't be responsible for the you know representing the rest of the league in a guard of honor.
1: Every team should do it, surely. If you're going to do it at all, I just think it's your duty if you are the team that happens to play them just after they've (laughs) been crowned champions. Mm. Yeah, it's just unlucky because otherwise it becomes a little bit too sort of kind of need to pretend that they haven't won the title. It becomes too much of a like. Well, this doesn't matter. It's a procession. It's a sort of ceremonial thing. Whereas these matches may still be important or whatever, I think.
2: Yeah, I think there is something a bit weird if, if every team does it. It's as if they're kind of, I don't know, it's a bit too deferring each week that you have, like, you know, because a team can win it with, like, five five games yeah. to spare or something I each time. I feel like time. everyone should
0: have to do it. I feel like if you're going to do it at all, if you're lucky, everyone should have
2: to do it. It's the same level of respect. As punishment. Hashtag respect.
0: Yeah, Oh, well, yeah, kind of. I just yeah, I feel like everyone should commit to it. But all eyes on Drogheda United this Friday, because the entire concept of Guards of Honour now rests on your shoulders mm. in the final round of League of Ireland fixtures. So we'll we wait to see. Maybe we'll rule after that. Charlie, question for you. What do BBC programmes Show Trial, Ghosts, and Sherlock all have in common?
2: Show Trial, Ghosts, and Sherlock? Don't know. Some sort of chat about football at some point? Sort of. They all feature the same game in the background,
0: playing in the background, incidentally, in a scene. Now, Mm. we've we've talked about this before, um, the cultural phenomenon that was QPR Mm. nil, walls nil from 1998, which popped up in a computer game. it's popped up in adverts. It's popped up in a film. But we have a new pretender for this throne. And it's a really strange one. Someone tweeted onto my timeline the other day and said, Can you identify this game? And people going all all sorts of tangents. Some people thought it was the Milan Derby. Some people I thought it was Gillingham. And I was going through Gillingham's historical kits, Dave, to work out when it could potentially have been. <laughs> was, and that there was a Capital One advertising hoarding behind them. So some people thought, some people said, well, Nottingham Forest was sponsored by Capital One and they had a blue and black striped kit, so maybe it was them. So I went and investigated that. Couldn't work out what it was. Can you even conceive of what this game may have been? This is a team in red versus a team
1: in blue and black stripes from the mid-2000s. It's some sort of mad testimonial? You charity Charity sort of thing or... Damn Friendly. Right. It
0: was the it was to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the world's oldest football club, Sheffield FC. Oh. and they took on Inter Milan at Bramall Lane. Really? What? Yeah, in 2007, Mario Balotelli played.
2: I was going to say, I mean, that Inter team. That that was when in, I mean, that Inter team had. I mean, is that post Adriano? Is he still knocking around there? So Ricoba. So that Marco was
0: Materazzi.
2: That was Mourinho. Was
1: Mourinho there at that point, or you not? No, got there still yet?
2: Mancini.
1: Howard Webb was the right. referee, of course. Of
0: course. Yeah, um, Sheffield. Roberto man. Mancini in charge, and uh, uh, but they left most of their first team players at home because they, they Champions League clash against CSK Moscow um, a couple of days earlier. But Materazzi turned up. But yeah, and Pele was there for some <laughs> bizarre, <Sure. reason>. <laughs> hoping to get a game, presumably.
2: <laughs> um, trying to bump up that thousand goal yeah. numbers that Pele had. Yeah, I
0: mean, curious fixture as it was. Dave, this has this seems to have for some reason become the go-to background game. Maybe it was just the colours, maybe it's the fact that on first glance you don't know who it is, so it doesn't really kind of...
2: That must be a licensing thing, isn't it? That that's just like the cheapest or easiest to get. It does suggest it
0: probably was, you know, I don't know anything about this sort of thing, but in terms of licensing, that probably must be the cheapest game, Dave. I
1: imagine you wouldn't have to pay anything. I don't even know when it was broadcast or where. Exactly. Who would have filmed it? It might have just been filmed in the house or whatever. I don't mean the I mean global globe. They must audience. have had a DVD. But they brought it out on DVD and it's from the DVD. Good quality. For who? For who? Like how many hundreds of fans Inter
2: are so proud of have? that? Exactly. Sell yeah. it in the club shop. On sale in San Siro.
0: Oldest football club in the world. In trying to research this, I went onto IMDb and honestly genuinely spent at least 28 minutes doing this i tried to cross-reference the producers from show trial sherlock <laughs> and ghosts like i know who's responsible for putting <laughs> back to the background fruitless search i can confirm it was a fruitless search so um, if anybody out there knows how or why sheffield fc versus inter in 2007 became but such they're all
1: bbc productions Yep, well, they're all on the bbc they yep. might have been produced by companies I suppose but I was wondering whether it have, has someone in the BBC somehow a, just acquired this footage did the BBC did local BBC Sheffield, BBC Sheffield. It, it must mm.
2: be in their archives or their system somewhere that they were just searching for stock football footage and this was the easiest cheapest option they had well
0: it's, um, it's a huge blow for Queen's Park Rangers nil Wolves nil
2: 1998 where, where now for that game <laughs> Grim reading for QPR Nil, Wolves (laughs) Nil. Hugely grim reading.
0: Anyway, Charlie, um, thanks for joining us. Um, You spoke well, I thought, today. You spoke really well. Very impressive.
2: Thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a new era. Clean slate for all of you guys. (laughs) Dave, you
0: said all the right things.
2: Well, as you you know, I'm always all in. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
0: (laughs) Um, Thanks for joining us anyway, both of you. Uh, We'll see you later in the week, everyone. Have a lovely time.
2: Bye. The Athletic.